<laughs> are we live? Yes, bro. We are live and in the building. You know what I'm saying? So let me kick it like this. Everyone, welcome to the freestyle with your boy, Modern Tree Night, and your girl, Aisha Dennis. Bro, what's going on with you? Another beautiful day of life. I thought the applause was gonna happen. I mean, people staring, looking through them, looking through the glass to see us like they seen ghosts and they got their phones out, but it's cool. I mean, I respect it. You know, hey, how you doing? Who is that right there? <laughs> no, nah, everything, everything is great. Everything is great. We get through another another day, another weekend, and, and I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. All right, let's let's get to the to the meat of the situation then. So I want to talk today about men. Now, don't cringe when I say this, but I want to talk about it from a you know a perspective of um, being a man, being a father. You know um, what you do in the community as a as a as a mentor, and to just kind of hone in on the many different uh, aspects of being a man. Because in our community, you guys get a bad rep, in my in, in, in my opinion. And they don't focus on what's good. They want to spotlight, you know, the negativity. They want right. to you guys all in. And that's not the case. So it's like um, there are shining stars in our communities, you know, whether it be in our regular community, social community, in our lives, at our job, in our families. And I want to shed light on that situation. So I want to just kind of interview you in, in hopes that your story helps another man who may feel unappreciated or under the radar or whatever situation he's going through, that your story and testimony can help them keep pushing forward. Um, at the end of the day. Exactly, exactly. So, let's start about, first of all, before you became a father, before, you know, you became responsible for your community, you were Marlon. Marlon. So, give me some background on you just being Marlon. Okay, well, first of all, we want to I, I like to always do this when I start up the podcast, and I want to thank all the listeners, everybody who's taking a moment out of their lives to listen to this podcast. You know, this is Aisha Dennis on No Boundaries, and you have Monetary Night for the Monetary Night podcast. Um, to go to your question, and, and when it starts off as being Marlon, I was, when I would sit back and I reflect on it, uh, average young man on the surface, an uh, average young man who who's just enjoying life, Enjoying life at that particular time was simple. It was just staying outside, having fun, playing, playing with my friends, playing the street games. Uh, we used to have stickball, basketball. If we didn't have a basketball court to go to, we would get a crate or get a rim from a wheel. So you have that kid that's growing up in his neighborhood where there were really no boundaries. I can go pretty much anyway, not anywhere. Not like my, my mom would allow me to just do what I want, but we were... I was a wanderer. Uh, a wanderer basically was a kid who just went all over. It was different blocks, um, different streets where it was different groups of people, but we all knew one another. So I was a wanderer. I was always a dreamer. Um, once I found out, you know, when we look, I used to look at basketball a lot, baseball a lot, football. I was into sports early. So the street games, like I mentioned earlier, some of them, it kept me athletic. So I was I was always athletic. I was always a person who was dreaming and I always had a great heart. When I say a great heart, I was a person that had compassion for people around me. So I, I, I was a good friend at that time. I was a person that looked out. So, you know, you got that person. Now, when we talk in the beginning, as we talk about going through life, I was still the same but life started showing me more. What I mean by that is I started seeing the poverty around me. I started seeing people go through hard times. I saw the other side where there were people that were fortunate to have a lot of things in their lives. Uh, the fortunate things are the tangible things. People had homes, they had cars, they had uh, family structure, family unity. They had uh, gatherings where family was always like glue. So I saw a lot of those things. So. 
in the beginning, growing up, there's so many different layers, but that was the beginning portion of who I was and what was instilled in me, the morals, the values, the ethics, things of that nature, and just a person that loves sports. Okay. In the beginning, yeah. All right. So take me to your, um, okay, so that's that's Lil Marlon. That's what I'm going to call him, Lil Marlon. So, Lil Marlon, so, yeah. <laughs> so as we go from being Lil Marlon to now Marlon, let's say, you know, how when you guys get to going through puberty and the voice change and right. you, got, you, you got a little peach fuzz and you start feeling yourself, or as your mama would say back in the day, you're smelling yourself, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. yeah. So when you're in that era and you're coming into your own and you got all these, you know, emotions and hormones uh, raging and you're trying to transition, take me to that particular Marlon as you're starting to like, you know, grow up. Well, it was so many different layers, different levels in my life to the point I started growing up. Well, when I mentioned earlier about the poverty, about, you know, just the things I saw people going through hard times. Remember, that's an environment that I grew up in. So for me, it was normal. And so as I got older and started going into that puberty phase, I was still in that environment, but I knew I wanted more. So I didn't have the confidence that I have now as an adult, you know, because, you know, not having everything that you want. What I mean by that specifically, a lot of the clothing, a lot of the shoes, a lot of the being able to get the haircuts and the styles that everybody else had that was up on it. I didn't have that. So I was insecure in a lot of areas, not knowing what that term meant. You know, I was feeling like that a lot of times. So I didn't have that confidence. Now, when I gained my confidence, like I said, it was in sports. And that's how Tree came along as far as the name. When it came into puberty, that played a lot into uh, the, the I, I, we can say the dating scene. I know we were young, but you know, liking, I always, I always love women. I love the girls, you know. So that part was always me. Um, but the, the the way that I approached the situation was different because, you know, the girls at that particular point, at that time, they wanted boys who they felt or young men who they felt had a future. They didn't, a lot of them didn't really believe in the dreaming aspect of it. They wanted whoever had it at that moment because that's how they were being taught or that's what they saw. And whoever had it that moment was either guys who were older who had jobs, guys who I knew who were in the streets or selling drugs or had a reputation. And it was guys who basically had, you know, good families. And what I mean by good families, I'm not talking about from the uh, inside. I'm talking about from the outside looking in. You know, when you see people, when it's like they stick together, they all have the material assets, they live in the homes and things of that nature. That's what, you know, I, I saw and what I witnessed when it came to that. So with me, it was more of surviving. You know, at that particular point, I was I was a survivor. You know, I was around people that struggled. I was around people that had to make ends meet or whatever they had. And so what that did, it, it built me up on the inside. Like, when you talk about the struggle, I seen that. The pork and beans and the hot dogs, the, 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 the having the place with no furniture to uh, the... I don't remember the air mattresses, but the slope, the sofas or sleeping on the floors, different things around me. That's what I saw. And that's what I that 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 made me who I am as a part of that. I'm not saying we were living like that because my mom worked and my mom did what she could do. You know, um, she was always busy. She was always working. So for me, it was like I'm going to explore what's going on, you know, having a lot of family, things like that. So. With me, like I said, it was so many different layers. Uh, the, 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 like I said, not having everything, it helped you, you know, not having the, the self-esteem or having the self-esteem issues, building that confidence, being who I was, and finding out who I was before I started getting the material things, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does, because it's like you, you get in that phase where you're coming into your own, you, you, you're developing your identity you see things and it's like you in those moments you begin to decide 
how you want to live when you get older. Like, right, I don't right. struggle. I don't want to because I've done. I've seen the poverty side, and I don't like the view from that window. I've seen. I see my mother. She's working, and she's she's out here hustling. So you see that, and you just like, okay, that brings about productivity. That brings about money. So that that's an area that you want to get into. And then you look and you see, you know, like your peers and. Um, their families and the life that they're living. But what I like is when you said how it looks from the outside. Yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Uh, when, when they used to tell us when we were coming up that all that glitters ain't gold because, you know, I grew up with a lot of people that, you know, I, I, I was kind of envious. Like, you got your mama, you got your daddy, y'all in this nice house. You got all of the jewelry. You don't got your first car. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I'm walking everywhere I had to go. I'm walking. I don't have my parents. I'm going through the struggle and shifting from place to place. So in my mind, they 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 were living the dream. Yeah, but yeah. These people uh, were some of the most broken, disconnected people. Like they might as well had been in the group home with me, man, because that was how they felt on the inside. Even though they were surrounded by all the things that you know, I thought that I wanted that would make have would have made my life better and you know more glamorous or whatever. They were suffering, and I was just like, wow. And um, you got everything, and you still got nothing. I'm like, that's yeah. that's deep. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. It's so many different layers to it, and it's so real. Because when you're going through it, and, and I and I say that now, even as an adult, there are a lot of people that have a lot of things that you can see, material things. You know, they with, with, with the social media platform, you have so many people that like to put this stuff out there. However, because I know them, I know they're broken. See, they want to be validated. And see, the thing about me, even as a child, I didn't want to be validated. I just want my own. I just wanted, you know, wanted my own. Like, for example, I could give you this story. You know, you had some some people in the neighborhood, you know, when the Nintendo first came out around 85, 1985, 1986. And I remember when some of my friends got the Nintendo. They had, like, the Nintendo and, you know, they had the Mario Brothers game that came with it with Duck Hunt. Well, I didn't have it. And so a lot of the terminology that we use when people act, you know, we used to say, man, they acting funny because what would happen is we didn't know the terminology of, you know, showing off and things like that, but we knew when somebody was acting funny. Right. So I was the person that I wasn't going to kiss your behind to be accepted. And I love when you show your hand because in my mind, I knew when I get mine, I'm going to treat you the same way. It wasn't all about oh man, I'm just going to pray for you and all that. Because, you know, I'm young. Even though I was going to Sunday school and church and things of that nature, people showed me their hands. So right. when I got my own, I knew how, a, how to take care of it. To this day, that's how I am. Like, when I finally get my hands on something that I, well, I didn't work for that, but I knew my mother was working for it. And when I finally got a hold of what I wanted, which was that game, I took care of it. Whenever I got my hands on those sneakers, a pair, it, it didn't have to be the ones I wanted because I didn't really get what I wanted, but I was clean. I was creased. I, I was, I was, you know what I'm saying, presentable in the eyes of my mother and those that saw me. But I didn't mm -hmm. get everything I wanted. So once I got what I wanted, I wasn't trying to show it off to the world. I just stayed away from the people that already showed me how they were, who showed me their hands. So, mm -hmm. you know, that whole thing, that builds a lot of character, too, because I wasn't the first person to get a vehicle. I wasn't the first per person to get where we had bomber jackets or anything. I could just say the styles. Whatever styles came out, I was not the first to get it. I was just that person who didn't have it. But I saw how people that I consider my friends act or how mm -hmm. they acted. And they wanted to throw it in my face to show me that they had it, that their mother's were uh, supporting them, that their fathers were supporting them, that their older siblings were supporting them, that their cousins were supporting them. And on the other end, I'm being taught all these non-tangible things of how to clean up, how to iron, how to cook, how to be respectful. These things that I thought I would never need. I thought it was a waste at times because I felt like I was missing out on everything that was being offered in the world. 
Like, why am I missing out on these things? All I want is this coat that costs a hundred dollars, and a hundred dollars back then was probably like a thousand, you know, for a person right. that's not making that much money. So I never had that interest to show people like I finally got it. Nah, 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 any boo boo. You know, we used to say stuff. Now I got mine. You know, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's the whole thing itself, man. It's it's a lot on the outside looking in. It's a lot that my young version went through to make to, mm-hmm. to help me to get where I am now. Wow, and and see, I, I agree with that. That it, it's a lot um, growing up in that situation because I've had some of those same things, you know, happen to me. And it's like I couldn't keep up with the fashion. I was trying to keep up with the day to day and figure out where I'm going to stay as a homeless teenager. And, you know, how am I going to eat? And, you know, uh, if the person that's watching us tonight at at Greenbrier is going to be mean to us tonight, or will I be sleeping, watching my back all night not to get beat up with the lights on, you know, and still had to put on that face and go to school. Like, you know, nothing's wrong. Like, I'm I I remember getting off the bus in front of um, what was that? Duran Middle School and walking around the long way so nobody would see me go into the Greenbrier doors because I was so embarrassed and it it was just like the stigmatism like oh they go those unwanted poor unfortunate kids you want to stay away from them troublemakers and that's kind of how they treated us so it was embarrassing so you know I remember you know once I got to finally made it to high school um, walking so no one would see me you know where I would live and and that I had to take the long scenic route to get back to Bull Street where we stayed and I was unhappy, you know, with family or whatever. And like, you know, to piggyback on what you said when you're talking about the life skills that your mother was teaching you, man, I remember every summer, dog, we would go to Savannah to, um, we call it the country, to spend the summer with my aunt. And when I say I felt like the help, oh my gosh. I'm like, why I got to snap the beans? Why I got to shuck the corn? Why we got to hang the clothes on the line? And then to come back and have to do the same thing. It's like, um, you know, I'm the one who's cutting up the greens and the cheese for the Sunday dinner. And I, when I say, listen, bro, when I say I despise and I'm just like, I, I, I'm not going to be doing this. I'm not going to make my kids do this, blah, 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 when I get older. But what I will say is, I make the meanest macaroni and cheese. You heard me when I, I say I, I know I don't, I don't believe in buying stuff in the can unless every now and then some beans. I, I want the fresh snap beans and things like that. It's the difference. So it taught me. It was preparing me in some areas of my life for things, but I didn't appreciate it at that point. You know, in that era of my life, because I'm just like, man, I just want to be a kid. I just want to have fun and play. I want right. the dopey shoes, the flyest clothes. I want my hair done and, you know, different things like that. And so it's like, I I, want, I felt like the 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 ugly duckling, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, man, yeah. nothing going right. Like, you know, I remember when we used to shop at the Goodwill and I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, why? I look like a walking advertisement for the Goodwill. But yeah. as an adult, I love to go thrifting right now. I love to find bargains and stretch my money and 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 it's like you know it placed um it gave you the things that you needed for the long haul even though we didn't appreciate those things right. at that moment so yeah that that's crazy now that's take, now i want to fast forward now so you know you've gone through that phase now you this is where our, our lives cross paths. We're in high school now, and you're Tree. Everybody knows Tree. Everybody loves Tree. Tree is, you know, that that dude for every sport you could think of. Um, where? Tell me, take me to to that guy. What's his thought process? How's he functioning? You know, coming up in that era. <laughs> you know, the respect that I got from Tree was mainly from street ball and uh, what you call recreational ball of the the Leisure Service Bureau. So that tree was the same tree that was still a dreamer. So Mm. that tree thought that when he got to high school, it was going to be a transition from youth league where I was a a well-known 
uh, basketball, baseball star. You know, I played football, but it was they had me in a different position, so it wasn't like that was the top priority. But between baseball, running track, because I I was in shape to run long distances, things like that, that was my dream. However, when I got to high school, it was a total world, different world for me. Like when people have, and I look at it now when I see classmates when they they get together for gatherings or they call out the years they graduated or they think about the organization and the things they did in high school none of that pertains to me because see for me high school was survival the things that i went through when i got older i was still going through a lot of those things and so high school for me was all the underdogs the guys who a lot of them didn't graduate a lot of them used to rap at lunch. A lot of us played ball or park ball. A lot of them end up being hustlers who went to juvenile, who went to jail, who went to prison, federal prison, were dead. A lot of those guys are who I identify with. You know, I was always into my books. However, when you don't have the clothing, when you don't have the haircut, when you don't have the shoes, it does something to your sight. It does something to you mentally. And I went through right. at the same time, I was helping out my mother with taking care of my great grandmother, who, you know, her, we called the Mom Mary, who's the same person that when I was interviewed for the Spirit Magazine for St. Louis University, I talked about her briefly. When we talk about one of my, my grandfather, Kamali Knight, you know, he had a stroke when I was 11. I was taking care, helping her take care of him. So, you know, my life was always responsible. And then my younger brother at the time, I was helping to watch him. So my life was already on a mature level. So when you got to high school, when you look at high school, I still had the dreams, but even going out for the team and going to practice squad and then practicing with Boston and they moved me to JV. And then when they moved me on JV, I feel disrespected. And then we put on these uniforms that were like the, the uniforms that are in the back of the closet in a bag that were too tight to put on. So now you 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 move me who I'm feeling like I'm I'm capable of playing with these boys on this level, which was totally different because I might have played with them on the park or in rec ball. You you take me off that team and now you know, I'm feeling like, oh, I guess I'm not good enough, but I can play you one-on-one. I'll play anybody one-on-one. That was the thing we used to do. Like, you know, well, let's, the same way people battle rap or the same way they say, give me a one-on-one or let me catch a fade. It was like, let's go in the park and play one-on-one. So, you know, I could beat you one-on-one, but it still didn't matter because nobody's going to see Tree play on this level except Junior Boston. So, you know, at that particular point, I was having issues in the home. I was having issues in the classroom because when I got to school, my mind wasn't on schoolwork. My mind was on, I was tired. I was on survival mode. And then I got clowns in class. Now I was a clown. So, but what I'm saying is you had people that were trying to check or Jones, what they call Jones, make fun of what I have on. Now that's the wrong thing because at that particular point, I was flipping my mouth. It didn't matter what I said and how I said it. And I didn't care who heard it. So a lot of times I would get put out of class. So you visualize this person that late on in life, you know, um, that you see that's, that, that encourages academics, that encourages respect. That particular point, if you disrespected me, I didn't care. Now, keep in mind, I still love school. Mm-hmm. I just question a lot of things. Like, what's being taught? Is that helping me? Is that helping me to survive? Is that helping me to go through my situation? So I'm looking at the lessons that are being taught is how can I apply this to my everyday life? So when I would question the teachers, I would question them, you know, in a way where, why are we doing this? Why are we talking about Christopher Columbus? Is that going to help me get food on my table? So you can imagine, you know, what I was going through because I was built, it was a lot of hostility built up. There was a lot of hurt. So Tree couldn't really function. Tree was missing his dad. Not saying my dad was deceased. He was there, but he just wasn't in my life. Tree was missing his mom. Because mom was always working. Mom was, she'll come, you know, mom would cook and mom would clean and did everything. I'm telling y'all, like, do everything. But when it came to, like, can you come to my game? She had to work or she was tired. So there was nobody else. 
It was other people's parents, other people's siblings, other people's, you know, loved ones that show love. So Tree was angry. Tree walked yeah. around and Tree spoke his mind. So, you know, that whole high school thing for me, it's a blur in some areas. And then in some areas it was beautiful because we had great times. Wow. Yeah, it was real, man. I, I I sit back when you when you ask me and I started reflecting on it, and I know there are a lot of people that can relate because I talked to a lot of people because when I got to school, you know, I, I remember walking in, I was like one of the first people to go to school. I was so excited about school, you know, getting to high school, man. I, I forgot what time school started, but let's just say I was one of the first people in the class. And, you know, that was like, oh man, we're gonna be class of 94, class of 90, because you screaming out your class, right? And right. so when I started going through those times in, in life and getting put out of school back to back, I became that student that was, I knew I was gonna miss graduation. And I, and I didn't look at it like I tell you students now, like, well, you still graduated. You know what I'm saying? It didn't happen like that. So I end up, when I when it hit me in life, and I know we'll talk about it later on, when it hit me to get on board and get this thing right, that was after my great-grandmother passed. That was after a lot of real-life situations that occurred. And I turned gears up, and they had programs to help me catch up. But I had to come back to school for 90 more days after my class graduated and it was three electives and I ended up graduating then but I had to walk with the class the following class class of 95 so you know I knew a lot of people from both classes but I wasn't participating with anyone it was more like if you know me you know me if you don't you don't I can care less because I gotta survive because once I leave this school Man, I don't know where I'm gonna sleep tonight because it became so many things. And when, when I t- when I hear you talk about not uh, taking different routes to get home, I mean, to, to your residence where you were living, I was doing that myself, and it was for different reasons. You know what I'm saying? Because people like to joke, "Oh man, where you living at? Uh, how you get to school? Things of that nature." So all of these things, all of these things were in the mind. Of that 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old young man, 18-year-old young man who, you know, wanted to follow a dream or dreams, you know? So it was a lot. It was a lot. But I'm thankful. I'm, I'm grateful to have made it through it, you know? I'm grateful. I know there's a lot of people that can relate because, you know, when I hear people talk about it now, when they talk about school, they don't have all the memories. I didn't realize a lot of people could relate to what I'm going through now when I see them. They don't ever participate. And I thought they were the ones in the crowd. They were like, man, I don't care nothing about that. And it's because they were hurt. They were scarred. They were struggling uh-huh. when they through. So, you know, it, it was it was a time for me. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful for the I'm grateful for how I made it through. Being able to help other people. Yeah, because that's what it's about. And and I've said it many times before uh, in several podcasts that no one ever, you know, really wants to be the first one to go through anything because we're so used to there to, you know, uh, having a manual to use uh, or reference for whatever we go through or an experience in life. Right. So it's like, you know, mama done been through it, daddy done been through it, your grandparents. So it's like you they've been through it before, but when you're the first Oh, you're not feeling that. Ain't nobody going to be real about it. I'm going to be real about it. You're not feeling that. You don't want to go through that. And you don't have any type of resolution. You have to feel every every bit of pain and frustration and anger. You have to go without. Um, you have to. There's some moments like I would say I was mentally unstable coming up because I felt like I was about to lose my mind. Like literally because there was so many things revolving around in my mind I felt like I was about to burst like I was full and I had an outlet I didn't you know I tried out for basketball didn't make that um I wasn't someone who would sing and do talent shows I didn't have friends I didn't roll with a crowd because I was so ashamed and embarrassed of my situation and who I was I'd made sure I stayed to myself nobody ever came to visit at uh uh at any of those places and say, oh, I'm here to see Aisha. Oh, no, no, no. You never knew where I stayed, where I laid my head. Because sometimes I didn't know where I was going to lay my head. So it's one of those things to where I lived this, like, this secret life. 
and everybody thought it was so grand like oh you call sister you deaf sister oh yeah man call ski sister blah 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 no you don't know the half you don't know a third of what was going on and it's like you know to go through all those things and uh now let's fast forward uh and transition to now you're a man now when i think of a man i think uh i have to go back biblical and i think um the way that god designed a man he gave you guys the option to choose the power to choose what type of life that you're going to give. So when you guys plant seed, you get to decide if you're having a boy, if you're having a girl. So that God thought very highly of you guys to give you that power to make that decision. So it's like um, the man is the decision maker. He is the one who provides. He's the one who protects. So he is like security in a way. Um, So as you fast forward and you are a man and you become a father um it's like you I, hearing your story mm-hmm. and dad not being around as you would like to be it's like how do you become the thing that you never saw how do you become uh the great dad that i see that you are how do you become um this this businessman um, this mentor, um, how do you, uh, how do you become that thing when you never had an example, when you, um, you've been counted out and considered to be the underdog Mm. in many areas, you've been made fun of, you've been criticized or, you know, the infamous when they tell, the young black boy that they're not going to be anything or you'll be just like your daddy or you're, you're nobody and you're nothing and your dreams don't matter. It's like when they stump and walk all over you, how do you still rise to the occasion? Wow. Well, I'll tell you that that's, that's a great question. Let me, let me go back. Things I said partially. You know, the going to school, not feeling wanted or feeling insecure or having to have these responsibilities, helping family members. When I became a man, a lot of that little boy was still in me that was broken. And see, a lot of men don't want to acknowledge that because they feel it makes us weak. I didn't have a problem telling people about who I was because there was a part of my life where that hurt turned turned me into a monster. It turned me into a monster. It turned me, it turned me to a little boy who was seeking uh, love from his father, who was seeking attention from his mother, from his family members. And they would act different with me. I knew I was different. I knew it was something about me. You know, you had some people in my family that, or people that I knew who said when I, you know, watch him because he bad, you know? So I'm labeled as being bad. I'm being judged. I'm being made fun of. And to go to what you said, the question, all of those things that I felt, I'm reminded of how I felt. So I made a promise to myself I don't know when I made this confession, but at times I think about it. I probably was a teenager or when I used to go through things when my mother was 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 married to my stepfather. I remember, well, I remember saying things like this. I would never treat my child like my daddy treated me. I would never want any of my children to feel how I felt with a stepfather or to be deprived or, or of things. You know, if they need them. I made promises to myself, not realizing the power of confession. That whatever happens in my life, I would never want people to feel like I felt. When people want to speak their mind, I never want to tell a child you're lying or or the things that was told to me by principals and teachers and people of authority that I would never be anything. And it wasn't said to me in that cute way. You understand what I'm saying? It was said to me in my face like, you know, you wasting your life. You ain't gonna never be S H I T. You gonna be, and, and people would say this, and then 
it got to a point when I would tell people in my family, they thought I was lying. So people would look me in my face and thought I was lying because based on the reputation that preceded itself, he did it and he said it and he lied. So I wanted, to, <laughs> excuse me, I wanted to make a believer out of those that thought I was lying. And I said, well, I'll just do it anyway. Since you said I did it, I did it. Well, as a man, I knew those feelings. So when I reached out to young people and I heard their stories, it always showed me. When I would see myself in them, I would I would see myself so much in a lot of the conversations and the dialogue I had with mothers who were pleading with their kids and saying how they work so much and how the daddy's not there. And sometimes it filled me up to a point I had tears running down my face. Like, man, that's my life. So I said, you know what? I know what it takes now. Let me help you. And they said, well, Mr. Knight, why do these kids gravitate to you? My mother even said that. She said, you got that gift. And we talked about this stuff. And it made me understand mama had to do what she had to do to work and still kept her dignity and self-respect. My mom would work three or four or five jobs cleaning up, you know, uh, cooking or whatever the case was. I watched my grandma do the same thing. And I made a promise to myself that I'm tired of my family having to bow down to someone else. This is how I felt. Bow down to someone else to do these mediocre jobs, to get handouts, just to take care of me. So I want to do my part as a father. So when the opportunity presented itself, I did that. I made sure to this day I'm doing my part. Now, there are lines that that have to be drawn so that my kids don't, my children don't take advantage of me. However, they cannot say my daddy didn't care. My daddy didn't come to support me at school. My daddy didn't purchase the things I needed. My daddy wasn't there to be my voice. Oh, because I'm there. As right. long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm in my right mind, I'm there. So all of those things with me not having the blueprint of a father. And we had a chance to face off later in life, my dad, where I told him I felt because my dad has other children. And the thing about it, you know, my brother, who was living with him, who basically was in the system and still in the system to this day, it was more like he was the golden child. He was the one that had everything. He was the one that did the things. And when I would speak my mind to certain family members, they made it seem like I was delusional. See, when you when you speak the truth to people about situations, they think you're crazy. So I said, don't worry about it. So once I, once I see that a person feels that I don't know what I'm talking about or try to make me feel delusional, let me back off. Years pass, and then people want to come now and say, oh, I, I, I'm sorry I did this, and you did this, and you went through situations. Man, listen, it's all good. It is what it is. I say to myself. So I share a lot of things I experience with my children, not for them to have a negative perception on family or a negative perception on having friends, However, I want them to understand what I went through and why I do the things I do. That's why I have that drive to be successful. That's why I like to encourage myself because going through that stuff, I had to encourage myself. The, the, the people that I consider friends, it depends. Some of them were cool. And then when they get around their family, they want to show off. So that's why I, start, I, I was in a lot of fights because I felt like if you try me, I'm going to call you out. And it got to a point where you know, if you being fake and you being phony, I'm telling you in your face. But at, at some point in my life, I had to change that because you got people that they want to put up. A, that's why you got a lot of violence when it comes to that. You have people that when you tell them about themselves and you call them out, they can't receive it. So they have the people in the corner, man, you gonna let them talk to you like that. So now you got this thing where you tell them how they, you tell them how you feel about a situation or correct it. Or you just leave them alone. So all the lessons that I learned, some which I picked up in uh, from family, a lot that I lived on my own, and I just <laughs> used that blueprint to help my children. So the negative parts, I can have them bitter, but what? who is that hurting if I go around and have them, you know, going around hating family members or hating people that mistreated me? No, I empower them. I give them the green light of the path that I had to blaze for myself. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't, when I when I look at it on the spiritual aspect of it, it was God that was covering me. And there were people on the path. Now, it wasn't just me now. 
I can never sit here and tell anyone I didn't have help. The people that came through the supporting the supporting cast were people that I never would have expected. There were people I met who were in the educational field. There were people in law enforcement. There were people, total strangers, different backgrounds, races, ethnicities that came through for me. And what it did, it changed my whole paradigm of how life is. Because I would pick up different things from different races and different cultures and watch how they did things and like, that's what family is. That's uh, how you take care of your family. Yeah. So I was a sponge my entire life. And, and and like a sponge and just like a filter, you have to filter. You have to siphon through things that are good and that are not good. And, and I took these things. A lot of people, a lot of people could not have handled the things that I went through. A, a, a friend of mine, we were going through this stuff when we were younger. And we were talking straight up, and I said, and 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 I'm and I don't I, when I when I'm about to say I don't take it lightly. But what we talked about, I said, man, and I remember I was being I was either a teenager or young in my twenties, and I said, the average person would have taken themselves out with suicide if they went through a fraction of the things I went through. And yeah. see, what I'm telling you is the rejection, the hurt, the fighting, and being judged, or either sitting there and taking it the bullying, you know, all of these things are psychological abuse, physical abuse, you know, things happen and I'm blamed with the family and I got to, you know, go stay with other people. I did that. I know the feeling of putting all your clothes in a trash bag and, and not knowing you're going, but you you catching a bus because you want to question what's going on around you. You want to question the authority that's there. See, I want I got tired of sitting there being quiet and I want to find out why am I being treated like being told to shut up or being told to if I don't close my mouth, get out. So I felt like, guess what? I'm not going to have to struggle for my all the rest of my life. I'm going to get mine. And so that drive has been burning in my spirit. That's why no matter how down I get sometimes, I still dig deep to push out because there's more in me that can help me. And there are a lot of people that's going through this. And that's why you see a lot of young people turning their minds off. They put the music on. They they can care less. They like, man, I don't care if I live or die. I've been there. I was that young man. And so to go back to it, that hurt, that disappointment, those, those down times, as well as all the good that I encountered on my path, that's what I use as the blueprint to be a excellent father i use uh-huh. everything the good the bad the ugly and i'm working on a masterpiece so that when i sit back i can see that my life of going through things was not in vain and that's how i look at it wow that's what's that's what's up because i can definitely relate to a lot of the things you just said um, especially it just brought back memories when you say sticking your clothes uh, in a garbage bag and you don't know where you're going. I um, I reflect on that because I, I ran away at 16 because I was tired of being um, disrespected and belittled. And, you know, I was tired of being told that, you know, I wasn't going to be anything or, you know, always being accused. It's like once you do something bad or you know you make a bad choice they nail you to the cross for that for the rest of your life they just keep crucifying you over and over and over again and I'll never forget this one night um I um my my sister that I was staying with um she's passed on now but I this 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 Dane if that's the right word for it for her because of how she treated me it's like you treated me like um, like I was a criminal and I was going to be a criminal for the rest of my life and that, you know, there was no good in me. But I could cook and cut up vegetables, clean like, you know, nobody's business, do all these things. But I, I wasn't, you know, I was still that same kid that I, I, when I say I stay on punishment forever, oh my gosh, every little thing that I did, I was to 
punished for everything. And the, and this is the thing. Take it back to we're in the early 90s. So the only I'm not driving or living this fancy life that I see my my classmates living uh, off of their family's dime or whatever um, or their rich dope boy boyfriend. I am in a house in a two bedroom apartment sharing a room with my niece and I felt like a slave. I'm just be straight up. And it was like, I got sick and tired of being disrespected and all these different things. And um, she would threaten me all the time. Like, I'm going to send you to an all girls home and you're going to be gay because ain't no boys around. And I'm and I'm just like, you know what? I had enough. So I I, I, um, I remember packing my bags. It was like two or three o'clock in the morning and I didn't look back and I had no idea where I was going. I was dating somebody that was living way out in West Savannah and I was all the way on the other side of town. That was the longest walk in the history of all mankind, bro, to walk all the way over there, not even catch the bus. I in the middle of the night. Yeah. Just walking. I, by the time I got to that destination, the sun had came up. Wow. See, yeah, see, <laughs> see, you were a young lady doing that walk. See, I, I did that walk myself, like depending on where I was living at, because you know, on my birth certificate, it showed Yamacraw Village. That's where my grandma lived. So mm-hmm. I would bounce from family member to family member, like whoever at that particular point was going to make my, my place comfortable in my mind. That's why I went. So I didn't have a problem being in Yamacraw. I want to stay in Yamacraw. Like everything that, that had fear with people where they, they didn't, oh, I'm not going down there. I loved it. That's where my <laughs> friends was. That was family to me. That I, I felt at home, you know, when I would go to the park. So all of those things, the things that were around me, it was normal to me. It was normal. So I feel you. I know that walk, that late night walk of being on the porch, you know, when you sleeping on the porch and you got gnats in your face. So you keeping your eye, you can't really sleep well. You know, let's get that straight. It's kind of like. For anybody that's trying to figure this out, think about going in the hospital and you sitting in the hospital overnight with somebody in that uncomfortable chair. But just take that and sit it outside. And all you hear is noise all night because people don't sleep. You got right. drug addicts walking up and down the street. You got people driving through the neighborhood playing loud music. Yep. You, got, you got people talking. You, got, you just got a lot of foot traffic. And so that's all you see in those different environments. I was in it. I was norm- It was normal for me. But even on the outside, even on the outside, when it appeared that it was all good, mm-hmm. excuse me, man, listen, the inside of me was like, I got to make something better. And and let me say this. It wasn't all bad. And I want to say it again. I had some educated homeboys, educated mentors, people I looked up to who lived in the hood. I just couldn't understand them. I had a partner. He was older than I he was attending Savannah State University at the time. And I laughed because when you have these hoop dreams or the dream to be the biggest dope boy or the biggest whatever it is to, to have money, and you got this homeboy that say, hey, man, I just came back from school. I just finished my paper. I had to type this. That's foreign. That right. person who's preaching to you and talking about what a project is and how to better your community and how to do this, man, that's foreign to me. Because when you're going through it, you're not trying to hear all that. Right. You're 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 associating yourself with those you can identify with. If right. Smoking, that resonate with you, yeah. If they're smoking and they're drinking and we talking about partying, no. Even though I hear what you're saying about education and how it can better you and how you can get a job or how you can get a trade, yeah. But I'm surviving over here. Right. So so that's what we have to understand when 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 we sit back and we look at people and we judge them we have to understand there's a story behind it yeah and, and, and in that story we never know who we entertain and when i see people i saw this young lady when i went to get me something to eat at the uh this local parkers and 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 i just you know i was getting some like i ended up getting some chicken fingers and some potato wedges and i remember I was looking at the menu because I don't I don't frequent there often. So I have to, you know, I like to ask questions. But this young lady, man, face was balled up. Like, man, I don't even want to be to this job. It's hot outside. I don't want to be here. That's how she looked. 
So I was like, excuse me, how do you do it? You, and she was like, you just point to the computer. And my old nature, <laughs> well, I look, I stared at her. And I'm like, okay. And I'm able to analyze and say, okay, Marlon, maybe she, you know, has all these issues going on. And I know some say, well, it doesn't matter because she's on a job and she needs to be professional and all that. It's easier to say because you're not in that person's shoes because everybody doesn't have the tools to do it. And so even when I looked at it, I ordered my food, I, what I did on the little kiosk, and I saw her making my order. She put her gloves on. She did everything right. Took my box, and I was over by the rest, and she tossed it up on the counter. And I looked like, what the hell is wrong with this? You know, but I stared at her again. <laughs> but, you know, another person, excuse me, was another person making the order. But I just looked at it, and I said, there's something internal going on with her. Yep. And so all of those things that we talked about, it helps us. And I know this, I can say for us, because you and I have had dialogue about it. Right. We don't just react because we realize there's a root cause of the behaviors that exist or that are displayed in individuals. Absolutely. So my patience is much more, I'm more, I'm much more patient than the average person because I observe. And because I experience the things I experience, I'm not so quick to judge one off of their action that quick because I knew it had to have been a pattern. Now I'm not saying um, it's going to be like that all the time because I'm, I'm human and my mind might not be on point. That's why you have to be mindful of distractions. You know, I spoke right. about that before briefly in the podcast. Distractions may come and it gets your focus off of what you need to focus on. And so me seeing this young lady, imagine if I wasn't focused and I was distracted. I would have went at her and said, you need to smile. You need to do such and such. And she could have went back at me and I could have went, excuse me, went back at her. What would that have solved? Nothing. You know, right. I thought about it. You know, during this time, she needs her job. Maybe it wasn't her day to come. You know, I'm overanalyzing because it's this it's overanalyzing things, but it's all happening so instantly. So you're talking about right. within a time frame. Seconds take a long time to get by. Minutes take a long time to get by because anything can happen in seconds and minutes. And so, you know, this whole thing about life and having patience and looking at things for what they are, face value, and not looking at it and talking to people and listening to people and not having your body language be a, 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 a body language to the point you're not approachable you have right. to, we, we have to be mindful of this and we have to be just you know people that are open and so that's why I'm open that's why I'm able to look at things the way I look at it now and that's why I'm able to be the person that I am who God created me to be wow that's good um I also wanted to uh, uh, talk about community. Right. Now, as far as you being like a, and it's funny because it's like I said, no one wants to be the first one to go through these things, but they all serve a purpose. Right. So, like, um, if you hadn't been through the things that you've been through, you wouldn't be able to connect with these these young kids especially the young men and advise them because you can tell them you've been there in the trenches, you know, you've uh, had sleepless nights or you've gone hungry or, you know, you watched your mama, you know, work a million jobs and, and you just want her to be able to sleep and come to an event and you want to chip in and help. So they're still experiencing those things in the community. So right. what better person, you know, for it to come from than someone who, uh, you know, it's like when you've been in the hood and you, you've experienced those things, you don't want someone to, uh, I think the right word is empathize. That's where people, they can only imagine what you've been through. Right. You want someone who's been there in the gutter and experienced that thing. So they know where you're coming from. They know why you made the choice that you made. They're not judging you. They understand, not necessarily approve, but then they can offer you uh, another way of thinking and doing things because right. they've had to walk that walk and um, and it's like we need people like that in the community to talk to our youth and give them you know to cultivate a different mindset and to help you know help them push beyond 
the initial uh, potential that they have and to be successful in whatever it is that they put their minds to because it's the old, uh, uh, what is it, the, the old saying that says it takes a village approach, you know, to raise a child. Right. Yeah, it really does. So it's like, um, in, in saying that, I, I guess my my next question would be uh, for the men, because this is about the guys. Uh, how would you encourage other young men and men who are of adolescent age that are, you know, experiencing these things, you know, at a young age as you have, as well as the, the young men who are in their 20s and 30s and those men who are uh, seasoned, you know, 40 and older that have experienced these things, there's still some hurt, there's still triggers. How do, how would you encourage them to um, to walk out life and you know, you, as far as you know, going along in their journey. Well, I start with these young people, depending on the ages, the ages can vary. And I let them know, hey, you're not alone. It's sometimes with them, it's the simplest things. Simple. Just a listening ear. And I would allow them to to vent, to voice their opinions, to voice their concerns about what they have going on. That's okay. one of the easiest ones because they can still be programmed. They can still be changed or turned around because they're still young. They don't know. So those young people, I'll talk to them and I encourage them and I let them know, hey, I'm here. You know, you know, you it's nothing wrong with, you know, you got to think about it. You, you're programming them because they're still being programmed. And just talk to them and listen to them. As you go on a little further, when you get to the high school age, when I'm thinking about how you went, how you interviewed me or how you talked about this, my high school, listen, it's beautiful. These young ladies are beautiful, but guess what? No man wants their daughter to be with somebody who's ignorant. Nobody wants their daughter, a man or woman, wants their daughter to be with a fool, a nut, somebody in and out of trouble. And so I talk to them and I help them to stay on, stay focused on their goals. I find out what their goals are. Some of them don't have a clue. They don't know what they want to do because they've been surviving so long. And I talk to them and I talk about life and my experiences. And when I when I open up and I share my experiences, it's like, whoa, for real? Like, yeah. So I talk to them. I be an open book. I show them the things and I show them what I, what I know. And the community partners are people that may have more knowledge about the resources than I do. I link up with them. Now, they might not have what I consider the, the hood experience, but they may have their own experiences of rough times in their own lives because there are people with families that look perfect that caught more hell than some of us in the hood. Yeah. Lastly, when I talk to adults, the seasoned guys, if you can penetrate, most of them are stuck in their ways. Most of us, right? So mm-hmm. I would say, listen, <laughs> You got to look yourself in the mirror and make things better for yourself. Yeah, you can't turn back the hands of time or the people who hurt us. You can't go back and say you wish you can take things back because it's impossible. But I say moving forward and depending on what time of day it is, if it's morning, if it's afternoon, it's night. I say moving forward, be a better version of yourself. So I tell them like, listen, you know, you can't go on. Everybody's not a hater. Everybody's not going to treat you this way. We, we see things and sometimes it's a trigger. Because we hear people say things like, man, I ain't nothing like that. I'm real or whatever the case may be. Guess what? You can't change that. So I would I would encourage them. If you need to get a counselor, get a counselor. If you feel like I don't need to tell people my business, everybody I know counselors, go somewhere different. If you have that insurance or find someone that you can chop it up with, counsel, encourage with you and encourage and have dialogue with to help you get it off. You know? Look at inspirational podcasts like these or listen to them. Look at inspirational quotes on YouTube. Find some resources or something that can help you. There are so many at the tip of your, at your fingertips to find things that can help you. And that's what I'll say. Don't give up. The main thing I tell everybody, don't give up because your life here has purpose. I don't care if your family members tell you ain't this. I don't care if your coworkers in your job tell you ain't this. I don't care if your ex-wife or your wife or your girlfriend or your fiance or anybody tell you ain't this. You still have purpose. Now, 
if everybody continues to tell you this and you never change, then you don't want to change. But if you do want to change, if you do want to be a better version of yourself, look yourself in the mirror and think honestly, am I nasty? Am I selfish? Am I, am, am I arrogant? Do I have an attitude? Am I, you know, look at yourself and have a checklist for yourself. I'm not saying put a checklist down and put it out for the world, but change yourself and watch. I tell you this, I can guarantee this. At first, when you change, people are not going to believe it because they're going to see the old you. But when you start changing things piece by piece, slowly but surely, whether you speak to people, greet people, try to help people stop being so selfish, man, you'll see a shift in people. And that's what I would tell those three different age groups, those three, you know, those those individuals. In order to change, don't give up on yourself. Stay positive. Look in the mirror. Seek help. And just give speak life into people and stop speaking death and damnation. But speak positivity. Everybody right. needs encouragement. Everybody needs a listening ear. Even if they start talking and they're using profanity, every other word, man, listen. Before I, I, I started practicing it, I would use profanity because that's all I knew. Wow. So you can't fault a person for the environment in because that's all they know. It's normal. But when, however, when you start changing your, your surroundings and what you put in your mind, man, you'll say to yourself, man, I, I was ignorant as I don't know what. I, I didn't know how to speak. But it's not that. It's just your vocabulary is limited because that's all you know. That's all you hear. If you right. see people doing the same things and reacting a certain way, that's all they know. The reason why people react in violence or profanity and aggression is because that's all they know. That's why people who are used to doing that, if they see a person go, okay, man, I apologize, they'll look at you as being weak because being because that's an opposite, that's not what the norm is. Right. But but, but apologizing and, and and being humble, a spirit of humility doesn't mean you're weak. You just have grown. And so those things I have learned on this journey, it's a time and a place for everything. And biblically speaking, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it tells you that there's a season and there's a time for everything. There's a time to go up. It's a time to go down. It's a time for joy. It's a time for peace. It's a time for war. It's a time for sadness. It's always going to be an opposite. Just like in algebra, it's a negative and a positive. Whenever you're dealing with slopes, whenever you deal with anything, it's always a, an opposite. So that's what I want to leave them with. Wow. That's real. It really is. Um, first off, I want to thank you. Before I close, I want to thank you for um, sharing with us tonight and encouraging the young men, the, the adolescents, the teenagers, uh, our seasoned people and encouraging them um, because, you know, a lot of men don't want to open up and tell their story. Um, they feel that, you know, that shows a sign of weakness. But just for you to encourage them that that it, there's uh, there's a sermon I watched today and it talked about how there is victory and vulnerability. So. Uh, and being vulnerable, not only does it uh, disclose what you've been through and show what you've overcome, you're now helping other people become victorious also. So uh, shout outs to you, man. I really appreciate that. Um, and to the men in, that are listening in, in our community of podcasting, I want to close and say, you know, um, be encouraged. Life is going to happen. Um as a man, as a father, as a friend, uh, you can only put, be encouraged to put your best foot forward and uh, be supportive, share your story, be vulnerable. It will encourage other people and enlighten them. I mean, I've always told people, you know, I, I like to think that people don't just behave or uh, react the way they do. It, there's uh, a root to that tree is what I like to say. And um, once you identify your roots, you take those things to God, you, t you go to counseling, you turn on podcasts that are inspirational, like uh, Mr. Knight said, and you be encouraged and never, ever, ever get up, give up because someone else is waiting on you. There's a young man right now who's waiting on 
you to overcome what you're going through and to tell him your story and help him be able to tell his story to his son or his nephew in the community that he needs to mentor and to make this place a better place um, for men of all ages and of all ethnicities. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in tonight. Marlon, anything else you want to say before we close? Well, what I want to say to everybody is also, like I start off by saying, thank you for taking a moment to listen. You know, um, I don't know all the sites that we're on because there's so many different platforms. But if you go to Google.com and you put in Marlin Tree Night, you'll see a list of the podcasts that the podcasts that are listed. Uh, you also can look at Anchor.com. You can also, when you, you see us on, we're on Spotify and you can look at, you know, Aisha, Dennis, with the No Boundaries podcast. You can also see me with the Marlin Tree Night podcast. And all I want to do is, like I said before, if you need encouragement and you don't know where to go, this is a start. You know, you can look online, you can look for the resource they have, but don't give up. Don't give up. I don't care what anybody says to you. I don't care what anybody said in the past. As long as you're still breathing, as long as you're still in your right mind, you still have time. So I leave you with that. And I thank you all again for taking the time to listen to us. And we'll hear from you. We'll see you soon. And um, just take care. Stay positive. All right. So God bless you guys. Peace. Peace.